Welcome to Bible Insights with Wayne Conrad. God's Word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. Today's subject, the evangelistic mandate. One of the most common words used among Christians is the word evangelism, or its verbal form, evangelize. In addition, we refer to certain groups as being evangelistic. But despite the frequent use of the term, people often do not know the true nature of evangelism. Among many who do know the basic meaning and activity of the word, there is a woeful ignorance of the whole evangelistic mandate of the church. Perhaps we should begin with a basic definition of evangelism. The simplest definition is sharing the good news of Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. Yet this definition does not cover the entire mandate Christ has given to his people. A record of the mandate is recorded by Matthew at the conclusion of his gospel narrative. As one of Jesus' chosen apostles, he was an eye and ear witness to Jesus' appearances when he gave the mandate. Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Matthew twenty-eight sixteen through 20 Various definitions have been made to define evangelism. Here is one. To evangelize is to present Christ Jesus to sinful people in order that through the power of the Holy Spirit they may come to put their trust in God through Him. In 1974, the International Congress on the World Evangelization defined evangelism in these words, quote, To evangelize is to spread the good news that Jesus Christ died for our sins and was raised from the dead according to the Scriptures and that as the reigning Lord, he now offers the forgiveness of sins and the liberating gift of the Spirit to all who repent and believe. Our Christian presence in the world is indispensable to evangelism, but evangelism itself is the proclamation of the historical, biblical Christ as Savior and Lord, with a view to persuading people to come to him personally and be reconciled to God. God reconciles us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. As the scripture says in 2 Corinthians 5, 18 and following, God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. And the statement concludes with this. In issuing the gospel invitation, we have no liberty to conceal the cost of discipleship. So in order to see the full mandate of Christ Jesus' term, meaning the term discipleship or disciple-making is recommended. As we examine our Lord's commission expressed in Matthew 28, certain features are prominent. The very word evangelism means to tell to announce or declare good news. Paul defined the gospel as the message of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. 1 Corinthians 15, Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, 
that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve. This, he writes, are the truths by which we are saved. Thus the gospel is a message full of content. It contains propositional truths of Christ's person and action, his deeds centered around his crucifixion and resurrection. A particular tragedy in our time is that we live in an age of moods and methods. In response to the culture around us, the churches have often embraced the idea that the method is the message. This is simply not so. The saving message is the story of Jesus the Messiah in fulfillment of promise and prophecy. The events and their saving significance and implications for all of life is what we must teach and preach. To major on the message, it is imperative that we know the content of the gospel and then explain it to others. Now, this is the responsibility of all disciples. The Bible tells us that faith comes by hearing the word of God. And Paul relates that the speakers of the truth of God are essential in the evangelistic process. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved, he says in Romans 10, 13 and following. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they've not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? Our orders from King Jesus are to proclaim the message of Christ and look to the Holy Spirit to produce repentance and faith in the listener. It is by this means that we make disciples, that is to say, followers and learners of the Lord Jesus. Sharing the message of the Lord Jesus is the first part of our mandate. It also includes bringing those who respond in faith to the gospel into the committed fellowship of the Lord's people, that is, the Lord's assemblies. Directly connected to the sharing of the message of Christ and to urging people to repent and believe is the charge to baptize those who do believe. We cannot biblically separate believer baptism from evangelism. Baptism is a scriptural way of confessing Christ Jesus and becoming outwardly identified as one of his own. In the Acts narrative, we consistently observe the pattern. People hear the word, understand the basic message, believe in Christ Jesus, and are baptized. Now, baptism has layers of rich meaning, but two immediately stand out. First, God's promise to forgive the sins of those who call upon him in repentance and faith issuing in a heart assurance because Christ's death, burial, and resurrection avail for us before God. That is, the first word in baptism is from God, who tells the repentant believer that he is forgiven and is now incorporated into Christ. Second, baptism is a vow of commitment on the part of the convert to follow the master the king of God's kingdom. As we go, we are to speak God's saving truths about Jesus Christ and urge people to turn to him and take upon themselves the badge of discipleship in the waters of baptism. However, the evangelistic mandate goes further. We're commanded to make disciples, which includes teaching them all things that Christ has taught us in his word. 
This includes instruction, instruction in doctrine, and in Christian principles for life. In Acts, we read that those who believe and are baptized are added to the church, that is to say, a body of disciples who regularly meet together in a location for worship and mutual ministry. The Lord's mandate is not to convince individuals to say the sinner's prayer and move on to the next one. His command is to grow his church, to incorporate new believers into the fellowship of Christ's community. In the natural realm, do we conceive children and birth them into the world and move on to the next one? God forbid! Do we walk off and let the infant try to survive on his or her own? No! Heavens no! To do so is inhuman. But if we're not careful to follow our Lord's command to make disciples as expressed in the full mandate of Matthew 28, 16 through 20, would we not be spiritually guilty of such actions? Preaching, teaching, baptizing, and continuing in teaching are all included in the evangelistic mandate. If we neglect any one of these, then we are not fulfilling fully our Lord's directive. Let us devote ourselves to disciple-making for His glory and the growth of His kingdom. This has been Wayne Conrad with Bible Insights. And the next time, as you go, tell others of the Lord Christ.